to discuss part five of our Rooted series. This week, Hannah, Vanessa, and Josh continue our discussion on outreaching love. Enjoy. This is Philippians 2, 5 to 11. Let the same mind be in you as was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or exploited, some translations say. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and being born in human likeness. Being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient, even to the point of death, death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, last time we talked about this core longing of outreaching love. We long for outreaching love, for apart from authentic active service, there is no true religion. And, hmm, to summarize, <laughs> I guess the idea with these first three core longings we've covered, being Christ-centered and word-focused, we long for an inward-growing faith, is that we uh, do not do both of these things just for our own better life and more serenity and um, enjoyment, but we do them for the sake of the world. One of my favorite definitions of spiritual formation is being with God for one another for the sake of the world. It's kind of like everything is for the sake of others. So in thinking about what outreaching love looks like in the world, I said that... Um, we have to sometimes pray with our legs. That's from Frederick Douglass. He said he prayed for freedom for 20 years and he didn't get an answer until he prayed with his legs. And what I hope is true is that part of our formation is happens when we involve our bodies and try things in the world and live them out. Like it's not just an optional add-on, but it's actually what forms us. It's like how we learn and how we know. Even though it's so easy to think we learn by like listening to talks like this. We don't. The integration happens when we do stuff in the world. So that's one idea. Um, the other idea is how the disciples, after hearing like a big claim from Jesus to forgive seven, someone seven times in the same day, they said, increase our faith. And I read that, and then Jesus says, no, I tell, tell you if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, I don't know why he mixed uh, trees. Yeah. He should just say, say you know to this mulberry? mustard seed. Yeah, why does he mix trees? Yeah. yeah, who knows? You could go in the ocean and be planted in it, it would obey you. So I took that as Jesus saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't stall here. Like, you have plenty of faith to do what it takes to start the process that I'm asking you to start, which requires me all along the way, requires confession, community, reconciliation, but you have plenty of what it takes. So I related with that in the sense that um, 
I can think in, in this category of outreaching love, like service, activism, social justice, that it's so easy for me to think like, oh, I'll do that when I have more time or when I have more money or when I have more confidence. And I know I like can feel really authentic about what I'm like protesting about or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the invitation I hear in it is Jesus saying like, what if you thought I gave you enough already with what you have? Like it's not actually about getting more before you try pouring out your love. So this Philippians passage I didn't talk about, but I think it's a super mysterious passage. Like even after sitting with it for a couple of weeks, I didn't, I still don't totally get it. But a really cool idea to me in it is hearing Jesus say that though, well, he didn't say this, Paul said this, but though he was in the form of God, he did not cash in on that access or that abundance. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So I picture him as like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to reach out and reach upward and strive. It's the reverse way of saying he did not consider humanness to be a liability. He did not consider his limitations, his embodiment, um, his temperament, his time, his lifespan to be a liability. It didn't, he didn't consider it something to be shunned or escaped but he like embraced it and said, this must be enough for what God wants to do. It doesn't seem like it's enough. Like take this cup from me, you know, I don't think I can do this, but I'm going to, I'm really going to accept what God has given me, which is weird because he's God, but whatever, however that works. And I'm going to give my two coins just like the widow gave all that she had. Hmm. So yeah. Is that enough to start with? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Anna, over to you. No, just kidding. <laughs> you, so last time when Vanessa was speaking, you were listening. Mm-hmm. And then you just heard a recap. Did you have any feedback or what any thoughts that, that churned? Well, it's interesting just hearing you speak now, Vanessa, and talking about like, well, what I have must be enough. And it just reminds me of so much of the conversation that I often see say to myself, especially when you're in a difficult season or it feels difficult or it feels busier than normal, but really mm-hmm. it's busy as every other season, but, but it's kind of that like, well, when I fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like the invitation from Christ is like, you can literally come with zero coins. It's not about what you have. It's Christ in you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that for me is what is so encouraging is that Um, Although I believe that Christ makes each of us individually so beautiful and we have the the image of of God in us and have amazing talents and abilities, that the less that we actually come with and recognize that, the more space there is for God to work, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think it's actually like an exciting thing when we realize how little we have. Mm-hmm. Um, because then we also realize how much space there is for God. That makes sense. That's really good. Yes, yeah. I love that. Now, that Philippians 2 bit is pretty famous even within the early church. A lot of people recognize it as one of the earliest Christian hymns. I don't know mm-hmm. how it would have been sung, but it was on the lips of Christians very early on, it appears. Mm-hmm. And it's both the example of Jesus, but also the work of Jesus, because Jesus did not try to grasp onto Mm -hmm. his position. 
And they talk about downward mobility. And our culture, many of our cultures seem to be about upward mobility and mm-hmm. gaining up, legs up. And he says, no, I'm going down so that I may be lifted up and bring others with me. And so he does the work for, our, for the sake of the world. And then because he does this work, he can empower us to do it. And then Paul can say, so if there's an, this is the first couple verses of chapter two. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit and the very life of God, any affection, any sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So Paul is obsessed with this. And here's what he's obsessed about. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, which you touched on, count others more significant than yourselves. That's crazy. Is he telling you like you're, you're a total bum and everybody else is the bee's knees? I don't know what the modern... What is the good... Those are so outdated. Yeah. I don't know. Right, there's this. But... We are so biased in all things in our favor that we actually have to course correct and think other people are more important because we'll always favor ourselves, Mm -hmm. most of us anyway. So there's my little add-on to the Mm -hmm. homily. But the real point of interest here for this kind of climax of this theme is brass tacks. And we want you to show us how this has played out in your own lives or things that you've seen. And Hannah, you're on because someone volunteered you because you like neighbors? Yeah, I really like neighbors. You did some Facebook posts that got some likes and... Yeah, well, I I took a course and at the end of the course, you had to do a video trying to convince people. It was three minutes um, and you had to keep it to three minutes, trying to convince Hmm. people of something that you were passionate about. And so I did it on just speaking to your neighbors because it, it amazed me when we moved into the condo building we moved into three years ago, how few people knew each other and how mm-hmm. people actively tried to avoid you in mm-hmm. the hallway. And they're not wide hallways, so it was very awkward. And it was incredible to me that these people literally share walls and don't even know each other's names. So I, just being me, I'm an extreme extrovert, second only to Laura Rand, I think. And... <laughs> I just wanted to get to know these people. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did the video on, was just kind of practical ways of how to get to know your neighbor. And what was interesting to me is I had someone from my course comment on the video and be like, this is so great. I would love to show my neighbors, except that I don't know them. (laughs) I was like, well, this is is the point. (laughs) And I just, I feel like we talked about a a few weeks ago, um, I think two weeks ago, that... Uh, this idea of like, well, how do you love and in all these social justice issues and everything feels so up here and feels so cerebral. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like since becoming a stay-at-home mom, where it's a little bit easier to do this, to meet my neighbors, that I feel like the challenge for me has been you can have lots of thoughts and really good love and good prayer and you can put money towards really great initiatives. But if you don't know the name of your neighbor next door then how are you actually enacting Christ's love and how are you being Christ to the people around you? Mm -hmm. And so it took it, I think, from these ideas that I've had since childhood of what a Christian is and how we do, like, these huge events 
to being how can I simply be present to the people around me and when they tell me their name, remember it. When they tell me how many siblings they have, remember it. When they tell me where they went that weekend, remember it and ask and follow up. And they feel like really basic things, but they make a really big difference to people. And mm-hmm. it's incredibly crazy how low the bar is for people to feel loved and seen and accepted. And so I guess that's what that video was about. And now we've moved into a new building right. that has less common hallways. So it's harder to run into people. And I'm like actively like seeking people out in the parking lot and trying to get to know them. And it's harder, but it's, um, yeah, really important. Get their phone numbers and spam them with your video. <laughs> then I'm do it. I'm do the trick. So where did you learn all this? Like, why is this important? I mean, is it just merely to satisfy your extroverted nature? Or is there some need that you sense or some greater value that you're trying to bring? Or I think a bit of it is my extroverted self. I also grew up in a small town. There was 1,100 people. And half of, only half of that population lived within the town. So it was a kilometer by kilometer. So you knew everybody. So I think when I moved to Victoria, which is not a big city, but it felt big city to me, I was like, how does the cashier at the grocery store not know my name and um so it's just a bit of to the culture I grew up in um but I also think that as I've grown in my faith again like what I was saying from this childhood understanding of the church that I grew up in where everything was about lobbying your government and you know that is how we make Christ reign in our country or whatever it is that you want to say his kingdom come here that I was just like, there are broken people literally right beside me. And as a church, I'm, I felt like we were so focused on doing these things over here that we didn't have time for our neighbor to notice that it's like, oh, you're, I haven't seen you out with your dog in two weeks. Did your dog die? Oh, that's a really big part of your life. Let me bring you some cookies or, you know what I mean? Like really Mm -hmm. basic things. Um, And so, and again, being a stay at home mom, became easier because I am in and out of the house eight times a day going to parks and stuff. So I, I just intersect with people a lot more. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answered the question. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Vanessa, I know you, you had shared with me some credit card thing. Yeah. Maybe some preface, what I noticed, and I love what your answer, your response, Hannah, is that when we talk about love and works of love, it automatically gets abstract, mm-hmm. you know, and we mm-hmm. want to do these big things and uh, all kinds of just huge anti-racism stuff. Like, oh my goodness, could it get any bigger than that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you take these big concepts, ways that we can love and drive them low mm-hmm. and into the apartment building or the condo building or your neighborhood, that's what makes it concrete and real. Mm-hmm. Right, and so that was sort of my preface or what made me think of this credit card thing that happened in Philadelphia. Could you just explain that? That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's an incredible thing. So, for a long time, the pastor of the church I was a part of was just like really aware of um, consumer debt, and I forget what it's called. It's like revolving door or something. It just like grows and grows and grows and grows, and there's nothing you can do about it. Is what it feels like, and had this idea to start this team, and I was kind of the admin person for it for the first couple of years, the debt annihilation team. So I really haven't thought about this in a few um, years, so I'm, I'll miss some of the details. But the idea was that we'd get people who had consumer debt of all amounts, 
and we'd get some seed money from outside. Like, I don't, we probably had $8,000 or something like that. And the commitment with this group of people, it was totally an experiment. We learned so much just in the first year, was to do a few things like call the credit card companies and try to lower the bills and all of that. And then we looked at the highest interest rate and everyone stopped their, everyone else stopped their payments. Like there's eight people in the group or something. Everyone else stopped their own payments, put what their minimum payment, what they're paying to it towards the person with the highest debt until their debt is completely paid off. And what you trust in that process is that person will stay in the group next year when you finally get around to your debt and everyone pays their minimum payments towards your mm. debt. And then after the group is done debt-free, which they're like in cycle six or something. Wow. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt have been paid off. They still give their minimum payment. So like if I was paying $35 a month and I was never going to see the end of my credit card debt until I was 55, I'm not only debt-free, but I'm still going to pay my minimum payment into the seed fund for the next group of people. And the seed fund, the eight or $10,000 that's raised goes to like kind of tackle the biggest thing and just get some out of the way. So it's like this two to three year process per group of getting out of debt mutually, but it's all based on trust that people will continue giving. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it, I mean, talk about mustard seed. Mm -hmm. It was like an idea that now has grown into dozens of people being debt free and having a vision for, um, community and redistributing resources in a creative way that actually gets under the belly of the beast and like pokes a hole, puts a spoke in the wheel and stops it from spinning, stops it from revolving. Yeah. So that is incredible and it's still going. That's so great. It's so risky. Yes. Did it work? No. It did and it didn't work. <laughs> you know, like someone couldn't get a job and left, but his debt had been paid for. Yeah. That, and that was hard to deal with. Like, mm -hmm. what do you do? You said you were going to stay. Well, I can't. Can't get a job. Or, you know. And you couldn't just forward 35 bucks or it just didn't? Didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So st relational stuff like that. Like, mm -hmm. we, we develop things. Like, we, they realized this was just as I was moving here that having dinner at each other's houses once a month was going to bring cohesion to this community mm -hmm. in a way that was necessary for trust. And then things came up like, you know, you, ha you had to make a commitment to not use that credit card for the duration of this time. So people that we didn't plan for people being like, well, I need to fly to Georgia for Christmas, so I'm going to use it. And so the, their commitment was to call the group and say, I'm about to do this, like stop me somehow. And so then we'd have to be like, we have to find a ticket <laughs> for you for Georgia, someone from somewhere else so that you don't incur more because that's part of the agreement. Or we have to pray that you'll be freed from the need to go see your family and feel at peace about that this time. So there's so much surprising mm -hmm. accountability that had to come up. And like hard, hard awkward conversations. I imagine that's part of the, the benefit of actually mm -hmm. doing it, though. Because you yeah, think, yeah. here's the target debt-free. But actually, it's mm -hmm. all the other little tendons. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. So you speak glowing of it, glowingly of it, and also it didn't work out great. Yeah, it was, it was really hard and discouraging. And it felt like this is too big. Like if mm -hmm. I wasn't the person with the vision for it, and I would have just said, like, why would you even try this? There's so mm -hmm. many holes and so many variables. Yeah. 
But it sounds like a very Jesus-y way to think. Yeah, it feels do. like a parable. Because you have mm -hmm. a position, you have some wealth. And even in this situation, but you kind of don't. Everyone's in the same spot. But you have mm -hmm. variable degrees of debt for sure. Mm -hmm. And then somebody's like, well, I, I could go to Georgia in this case. Mm -hmm. That's a position thing. Like, are you, yeah, you could do it. <laughs> you also mm -hmm. made commitments. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Feel committed to these people or these people. It's pretty cool. I also feel like the humility piece is so big in that, kind of what you were talking mm. about in your last sermon about not being embarrassed, that humility is lowering mm -hmm. yourself without being embarrassed. And I feel like that it's so easy in for me in these thinking about works to be like, well, what can I do for other people? Mm -hmm. But just as Jesus lowered himself to our level so that we could relate and understand. I feel like there's like an openness and a vulnerability that needs to happen mm -hmm. for you to even be able to be there for other people and minister to them and evangelize or whatever it is that you're trying to do, you know? Yeah. And I, I just feel like that's pretty evident there. We, you, finances are a very, very personal thing oh, gosh. to open yourself up to. Yeah. Yeah. This is good. Thank you both. Like, it feels like we just started talking, but it's been like, 25 minutes. Oh, I really? Think. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I would encourage you all to track, hunt these two down and have conversations <laughs> with them because they're so interesting <laughs> and so fun to talk with. And they both love to serve. I think when I think of both of you, I think of people who are quick to serve and more ready than I am to serve. And so I look to you to show me the way of Christ. And so thank you for just for following Jesus and, and exemplifying that for us. Thank you for listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, B.C. Our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode provided by Richard Charter. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca.